This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 Jack and Rachel are with you and we're speaking uh, this week about uh, LGBTIQ women's health in regional and rural areas. We're joined now by Shireen Clough. Uh, LGBTIQ Engagement Officer from Castlemaine Health. Shereen, thank you so much for joining us this week. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what an LGBTIQ Engagement Officer does? I was employed during the first wave, I guess, of the pandemic, basically to try and engage further isolated LGBTQI plus people in regional areas because I think it was felt that you know we're already isolated in the regions so a pandemic is going to make that worse so working with victoria did the funding through castlemaine health and i was put on really just to see if i could reach people and create some spaces or online spaces at the time to um bring people together so that role started uh i understand in response to, I guess, those COVID lockdowns, um, what, I guess, how has that role changed as uh, Victoria uh, statewide has sort of come and gone through lockdowns and for the most part is is open again now? I feel like it's still evolving. Mm. It's certainly changed in the fact that we can see people face to face now and the groups are kind of starting to evolve as well. Uh, we had a social group that started up and from that we had a spin-off group which was a local choir that came about from the first social group and then a painting group was another spin-off group. So there's been lots of things that have kind of transpired just because participants are like, I'd like to do this. And so we've kind of enabled people to create spaces for themselves. Yeah, so how did you decide what programs and projects to actually begin? I know you've just said that people, you know, sort of talked about what what they wanted. Uh, So how did you decide what ones to do and how did it all sort of, you know, manifest? Uh, Well, I had some some ideas on what I thought people might like because I do community radio with Main FM and do um, a show called Queer and Now. So I had a little bit of an inkling on what I thought people might like, but always the best way is a survey monkey. So I just sent a survey out to as many people as I could reach. I got 100 people that fed back in the first two months of the job, and that gave me a really good clue on what people wanted. And mostly people just wanted to meet other people because we had a lot of people from um, Melbourne that shifted up during lockdown who wanted that bit of extra freedom I guess so there were a lot of people and a lot of couples that knew each other but didn't know anyone else and so yeah the first thing was let's try and get these people together for a dinner and I think we had a pizza party was the first one that kind of all went from there that's actually a really good point because there was sort of a, a bit of a mass exodus from from the cities into mm. regional and rural rural areas and so in that way like you know how do you actually I guess some people who've been living in 
in Castlemaine or in those surrounding areas for a long time, we already have connections and ways of actually engaging with each other. How did you actually, uh, you know, find the people who were, who were new to town and how did you get them to engage? They were the ones that really uptook the programs the quickest, I think. And social media really is the key, I think. We had uh, a Castlemaine Pride Facebook page, which has come about from the Pride picnic that we've had every year since marriage equality. And I think people just put in, you know, Pride or or something along those lines and found that. That was a good way for people to hook in. But also I had existing groups um, that I inherited when I got the job. There was a, a Castlemaine Shemail email list. So if anyone's interested in that, they can just send me uh, a list, like a, a you know, Castlemaine Shemail. You can jump on and find me on on Gmail. And that already had, I think, about 50 members of existing women that lived in the area. So I sort of used that. And also there's a really great established men's group um, called the Alluvians. And I knew a couple of members of that. So I thought if I can use those two groups, that's the L and the G of the acronym. And I'll try and build from there. So, I mean, how, what's that been like to build from, you know, uh, kind of acquiring um, or working with communities that had already established themselves? How do you grow those communities in, a, in I guess, a smaller, um, more tight-knit area like Castlemaine? I think things were happening that weren't as visible anyway. Like there was a collective called Castlemaine Sound that were doing... Um, DJ sets at the Theatre Royal once a month and they had like a roller skating um, section that you could come and do roller skating at the start and I didn't know that but that, that was very queer friendly and run by queer people but it just wasn't advertised as that. So once I was sort of making um, waves I guess in town people were like did you know that this thing's already going? So I was able to cross promote different things um, and then there were other groups that that did emerge in collaboration with other health healthcare providers. I think Sunbury Cobor Community Health got a Hay grant or a Spark grant, I think it was, and wanted to create a trans and gender diverse social group. And they approached me because they knew that my um, survey had indicated I had people that wanted that group. So we've joined forces and provided that across both shires. So there's been different bits and pieces like that that have added to the work and and engage those other letters, which has been exciting. I think that's one of the really encouraging things that we are seeing across the board, whether it be in regional and rural areas or in metropolitan areas, is mainstream health organisations actually re- genuinely wanting to start working with and engaging with LGBTIQ populations. Is that something that you're seeing you know, quite a bit uh, where you are? Absolutely. And it's, it's been working in partnership, I think, with other larger organisations as well as the health organisations because people really do want to help. So I guess I've been, um, you know, working with that momentum really. And so I've approached the Mount Alexander Shire who have donated spaces for us to gather with in-kind support. And the local community house is a great advocate for LGBTIQA plus um, people. So I've worked with them and through them we've set up meditation classes and we've just got funding for online writing classes because I didn't want people who 
couldn't make it through having compromised immune systems. I wanted them still to be able to engage. So we've tried to come up with different ways to, to, to captivate different audiences and to work within different organisations. So I guess it's not... I guess everyone's sort of sharing the load, which is a nice community aspect to living somewhere a little bit smaller. We are talking about LGBTIQ women's health this week. Um, I guess, what are some of the barriers uh, when you're trying to connect with LGBTIQ women uh, in a place like Castlemaine? I think, as I mentioned earlier, there was an email list for women, Mm. but there really wasn't, and there still isn't, um, the social support that um, particularly the men's group, the Olivians have. Like, they've got a really strong 100-plus member group that meet regularly and do hikes and um, all sorts of things together. But for women, it's a little bit tougher. And I don't know whether that's because of, you know, all of the unpaid work that women still do or I know that we have also just got funding to trial a Rainbow Family playgroup. And I'm hoping that that will help support, particularly, like I said, women that have shifted up here that don't have their family around anymore or don't have their their old friendship groups. Um, I'm hoping to, yeah, enable some spaces for women to meet because it is a bit of a different experience, I, I suppose. What sort of an impact have you seen bringing community together like that? What, what impact have you seen on, on individuals that... Um, like you said, might have moved up there and, and don't have those connections already? Oh, I've seen some, I've heard some incredible feedback from particular people about how it's been a game changer for them and how they've lived for a long time in an um, urban setting and not really known other people. And then they've come here and they've joined the choir, which has then led them, like I said, perhaps to the painting group and would go to an event and know you know, 10 or 15 people. And they said it feels like community cohesion that they haven't had um, in other places that they've lived. And that is really heartwarming and and exciting to know that um, there's these crossovers. And also there's crossovers of the acronym and crossovers of the generations. These people aren't the same age, but are making connections. And it's like that logical family, I guess, which is really exciting to see come together in a small little town. Jack and Rachel here with you on Well, 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 speaking with Shireen Chloe, uh, the LGBTIQ engagement officer from Castlemaine uh, Health. Um, but apart from your work uh, in that role, you're also a presenter at Maine FM, you mentioned earlier. Um, they're also 94.9 out at Castlemaine, uh, like we are here uh, in, in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the show that you do on that station? The show's been going probably as long as the Castlemaine Pride Picnic, I suppose. I kind of got activated during marriage equality and the the campaign and how horrible that was and was offered to do a radio show and joined forces with um, Jim Hyde, who has since passed away, and Max Primer. None of us knew each other. We were all kind of thrown in the studio together and they said, make a show. And so we just didn't really know what to do but talk and just played music initially and bit by bit each of us brought people in for interviews and and it kind of evolved and yeah it's been a great show so it's been going nearly four years now now I co-host with Amali O'Hara and we've just got a PM time slot so we're really excited about that we used to be in the middle of the day on Wednesday but 
yeah, now it's on to evenings and it's been fantastic. I know you're prime time now, which is which is so so great. Yeah. And you know, it's I mean it's one obviously, you know, we're um, talking to you from from Joy, which is all queer. But can you tell us a little bit about how important it is to have queer representation on a regional um, radio station? Yeah, I think it's vital. I think it's really important that we get our voices heard. And I think it has really been the fundamental way that I've been able to reach people. I think that Castlemaine's a really unique community that's got a lot of progressive people and a lot of artists and they use Main FM as a, as a tool, I suppose. So I have a lot of listeners that I don't expect that aren't part of the community, but we also will run promotion of local events and it, it just takes off, which indicates that we definitely have listeners, even when you don't know that you have listeners. I'm not sure if you get that same thing with well, well, well. You're not sure who's listening, but you're getting these, this feedback that's telling you that people definitely are listening and they're signing up to courses at Community House that you're advertising. Oh, I was, I was going to say, it is always a little bit weird to have um, feedback, you know, come through because really, I mean, you'll probably have this experience as well where at, at certain points it feels like you're just kind of talking to no one in a radio studio and then you're like, oh, crap, people listen <laughs> yeah. to this. That's right. And, and they can be from all over. I mean, we've got, I, I believe there are listeners in the US and Europe and um, yeah. I, I guess what are some of the, the more interesting moments that you've had um, on that show on Main FM? Oh, there's been plenty of interesting moments um, especially when we initially started with Jim Hyde who I think used to have a show on Joy FM as well. I think he was definitely um, an agitator and we had management hanging around outside the studio door for quite a few shows when he first started because he you know, threatened to say all sorts of things on air and, and defended his right to say those things. So that made my learning curve very steep because they had me in production pressing all the buttons when I first got there. And so, yeah, th- there was a lot to learn very quickly. And um, I don't know, he was a, an interesting... Um, person to do an apprenticeship with because he really said just pick your pick your position and back yourself let's talk and so that made things really fantastic and he brought some incredible guests because of his time at um, the Victorian AIDS Council he had some amazing guests that he brought through in the three short months that he was there and then from there it just kind of was a bit crazy with Max and I um just as people wanted to promote something or wanted to to come on, we, we let them and otherwise we played music. Whereas now it's it's sort of a dedicated social space for people to share what's happening. And this time of year with so many festivals with you know, midsummer and then chill out and then you go prides on at the moment and the Castlemaine Pride Week's coming up at the end of April. So there's lots. We can't really fit it all in to our time slot. How many people want to come and tell us stuff? It's great. I mean, and just as many of, as our listeners will will know that um, Jim Hyde had a very long um, uh, involvement with Thorn Harbour Health way back um, when I believe at yes. some point, yeah, he was the general manager of Victorian AIDS Council. Yeah, he was. Yeah, um, that's right. And I learnt a lot of what I know about Thorn Harbour from Jim in that short amount of time. And I, I think we really had no idea who we were doing radio with until his passing, and we went to his memorial service and. I remember looking at Max going, oh, my God, 
I didn't really understand who I was sitting across the yeah. desk from at the time. <laughs> and I guess, and how, and, and for you, in terms of like, uh, you know, like obviously Thorn Harbour Health has, has broadened its horizons in the last few years and, and, you know the scope of the work that we do now is across the um, entirety of the queer of our queer communities. How have you noticed that shift in terms of LGBTIQ women's health issues being, you know, a bit more at the bit more at the forefront than than they have been historically, where they've sort of been pushed to one side by both mainstream and um, queer health organisations? Have you sort of seen a shift in there being more yeah. of a yeah? I actually. Um Funnily enough, we had someone from um, Thorn Harbour Country come on and talk to us early in the piece, and I remember them sitting there talking about women's health and talking about um, you know drugs and alcohol services that were running through the Bendigo Thorn Harbour Country, and I said, "Is that a thing?" And and the person looked at me and said, "What do you mean is that a thing?" And I said, "Like I've known lots of lesbians to." abuse drugs and alcohol but I didn't know that that was a consistent thing that we needed support and help with and I, I think I was yeah I, I'll never really forget how shocked I was to learn that you know this is part of being um, in a minority group that's discriminated against and that has this burden of shame that people use drugs and alcohol and then need support to stop doing that I guess and to to find other ways to find that that pride and to overcome internalized homophobia and yeah I'd had a lot of that growing up and thought that there was something intrinsically wrong with me whereas in fact it's perhaps more something that's wrong culturally that I think is now really being addressed and services like Thorn Harbour are doing a great job. Yeah, and and research shows that uh, you know in, in recent years that that the um that issue among alcohol and drugs amongst LGBTQ women is not going away. And, um, yeah, thankfully we are getting a little bit more traction in terms of getting funding to address these problems within our communities as well. Could you just take us through um, one of the um, programs that I know that you started? It was called Rainbow Steps. Oh, yes. I can't believe I forgot that one. (laughs) Rainbow (laughs) Steps is a walking – that was the first one, actually, that I started. It's a walking group. I – found out when I arrived at Castle Main Health that they had lots of walking groups. They had Nordic Pole walking groups and all sorts of walking groups for the aged, um, for the senior citizens, I suppose. And so before the survey results came back, I went to the walking group people and I said, could I start a walking group? And they're like, we'd love you to start a walking group. And that was the first one that took off. And so it's not a huge group. We probably get between six and ten people every week that meet at the Botanical Gardens. And we just cuddle up and we a lot of us bring our dogs and sort of the group breaks up into people that are in it for the exercise that take off in the front and the rest of us that, you know, follow our dogs around by the smell. And it's a really nice way to interact. And again, the Olivian men's walking group is on at the same time. So we usually stop and chat with them and it's a lot more talking than walking probably, but it's a really lovely way to connect. Shireen, uh, if people are a little bit more curious about uh, your work on uh, Main FM or with Castle Main Health, uh, where can they go to find out more? You can jump onto the Queer and Now radio Facebook page and there's a way to find us on 
social media. I think you'll also find us under the same line for Instagram. And Castlemaine Health, that's a good question. There's definitely links on there to my work. It's a bit tricky because we're going through a name change. We were Chirp Community Health. And now we're Castlemaine Health, and I think there's a third name change coming. So, we, we know all about name changes at Thorn Harbour Health. Yeah, yeah you would. You would. Um, Dalkaya Health is the new name that I think is about to be launched, which um, because of Chirp and Castlemaine Health merging and now Maldon Hospital have merged, they're coming up with a third brand. So I think if you jumped online and chucked in Castlemaine Health and perhaps my name, something should come up, I hope. <laughs> it, it does. I can assure you I've Googled it you. Oh, it does? Okay. <laughs> um, Shireen Klo, uh, LGBTIQ Engagement Officer from Castlemaine Health, thank you so much for joining us on Well, Well, Well this week. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy Sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.